Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 24, the Emanuele Giaccarini episode. Can't we all remember the little, the little goblin that played for Juventus during the beginning of the Scudetto run? Thank you, Mr. Giaccarini, for your, your contributions and one of Bep, Beppe Marotta's best, flip them while the stock is extremely high kind of moves where got a nice little nice little return from an <laughs> an English club for Mr. Giacarini. So this week I think we can all guess what we're talking about today. And unlike last week where we were kind of happy after a European game, not so much this week. So let me first bring in usual crew here of Sam Lopresti. Hello Sam. Hey how's it going Danny? I love I loved Giacarini. I loved Giacarini so much. And frankly, moving on from him also kind of was the start of the beginning of the end with Conte, wasn't it? Because he was not too pleased with that. I was, I was going to say, as you said that, did you love Emanuele Giacarini as much as Antonio Conte loved Emanuele Giacarini? And then he actually, and also Euro 2016, like talk about nut up and the big moments. He, yes. he played a great tournament that year. He was very good that summer. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Yeah, very good evening, gentlemen. You know, Giacchini, I think he is the perfect example of the just the underdog story in football. And I think that's so, like, 
great. I mean, that, that, that's a part of, the, the, of this sport that is just beautiful. Just seeing a guy that just is the last person you expect to be an athlete, the last person, just physically speaking, the last person you expect to be, I mean, just doing any type of sport at all and just to thrive so much. So, you know, here, here for uh, the comeback kid, the underdog kids and uh, yeah. A bit of a bit of happiness for what will probably be a very somber uh, podcast. <laughs> and last but not least, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. All I remember about him is that I, I used to boss with that guy on FIFA. No, he was really good. He was like just an enjoyable guy to have on your team. So good times. Good times. Well, I wish we could say good times about how Juventus played the day before us recording here. It's been a interesting 24 hours, to say the least, where awaiting a possible negative COVID-19 test that never arrived. And then we see that Juventus' squad is very much not at full strength when the squad list comes out, although we kind of expected that. And then Juventus goes out and against a Barcelona side that is far from vintage Barcelona, doesn't play well at all. However, we also got Alvaro Morata doing what Alvaro Morata does, and that's apparently scoring a whole lot of offside goals. So I will, <laughs> I will throw it to, to uh, whoever wants to go first here and say that what the heck are you guys thinking <laughs> after such a just, just a up and down kind of night emotionally and then just the end product being Juventus not playing all that well at all after 90 minutes. I mean, I'm not particular. I wasn't a hundred percent surprised. I was disappointed certainly, but you know, I, you, you still have to think that, you know, normally Andrea Pirlo's had this team for what, maybe two months. Like normally that's about as long as you have an entire off season to play. To, to like install and train when a new manager comes in. He's had to do all that with about three weeks of off-season training and then just try to see what works in competitive games. So I'm not all that surprised that it was... I, am I surprised that it was as bad as it was? A little bit. Kuman certainly outcoached Pirlo last night. And it was... You know, the disparity in coaching experience was, was pretty evident. That being said, the number of people that are creating a Pirlo out movement after six games genuinely astounds me. Grab ye like, pitchforks. Grab ye like pitchforks. What machinations of the occult hand have suddenly turned half of the Juventus fan base into a collective manifestation of Maurizio Zamparini? Like, this, this is... <laughs> That's so perfect, <laughs> Maurizio Zamparini. Like, because that's what this is. Like, like, that's what this would be if you actually were to fire Andrea Pirlo after a game like this, which, which so many people that I've seen on several different forums, not as many in the, the, our comment sections, which I think speaks to the, 
the wisdom of a lot of the people that are in her readership, but a lot in several Facebook groups that I'm in, there is a clamor for him to be fired and replaced with a quote, real coach end quote immediately. And like, it's, it blows my mind how foolish talking like that is after six games without a full off season to actually do anything. It's so stupid and so irresponsible. And, you know, it's just, it, 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 it makes me, it like that was, was just, I, I, I spent my time last night writing my recap and like sparring with people on Facebook. <laughs> and, and, and like I said in my recap, it's really weird in that we did not play well last night and yet were, you know, a slight, were Alvaro Morata a slight, you know, bit more onside or in the case of that last goal, if the onside rule were at a little bit more sensible because come on. I mean, that's a third, that's yet another situation where Morata Morata gains no advantage on the defender in that position with the back foot of his trailing leg in an offside position when the entire rest of him is on. Um, I've started warming up to a friend of mine who's been advocating uh, something that Arsene Wenger mentioned, which is to, instead of change, to change the offside rules of, instead of, having any part of the attacker being over the line, meaning offside to making it almost like a goal for that to have the entire body of the player beyond in an offside position in order for it to be an offside, which to me is as good a solution as I've heard, because this need, this is a problem that needs a solution, not only in, 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 in but everywhere. I mean, in, you see so many games where where a guy is like, you know, when, you know, the opener last year against Parma, the day I got married, when, you know, Ronaldo, like if he'd trimmed his toenails a little bit, he would have been on side. Like that's, that it, it's, it's ridiculous, but I digress. The, it's, it's amazing that had any of those, had, had fortune been a little bit better with any of those goals, we could have been talking about a draw here. <laughs> and I think that, that speaks to a the 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 defense, especially Danilo. Holy crap, Danilo! <laughs> and you know, if if Mary Demiral De- Demiral played well throughout the game until that idiot red card, I think that was more of a frustration situation. Just you know, goes to show how much talent he has and how raw he still is. But you know, the defense played pretty well against a team that was building up really well and putting themselves in some really good positions to score, but they managed to keep, keep the sheet pretty clean with the exception of a crazy deflection and one of the stupidest penalties you'll ever see given away. Then, you know, we, we really could be talking with a little bit of a change of fortune about a draw, even a win, and we didn't play that badly. That says to me that there is some potential in this team. It just is going to need time to come out. but. You know, it, that doesn't soften soften what happened yesterday. It was bad. Like there, there was. You know, they look. 
the, the team looked like they didn't quite know where they were supposed to be. You know, younger guys like Kulusevsky, Chiesa, they, they didn't, you know, this was the first time they've been in a game like that and it showed. Uh, I hope they take that experience and learn from it and, and improve in situations like this because they've certainly got the talent to do it. I'm really proud of Morata with, you know, he kept on going despite all of that and, and is really leading this line, the front line right now really well. And kudos to Bonucci for, you know, no one would have expected him to be playing after the way he came off the field on Sunday. And he played pretty well. But yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a bad game against, I know we all thought we could be playing better against, but is still at a level right now that is above us for a number of reasons. And, you know, that, there's, there's not much else to say. Yeah, um, gosh, that's. Uh, I thought I was uh, a Debbie Downer. <laughs> no, 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 on the last bit. No, actually, you, I'm surprised by like your level of optimism before the last uh, last comment <laughs> on Juve because um, I get to I get to show uh, my pessimistic side again. Finally, uh, been away. Finally, Chuck. Finally. <laughs> Um, I knew last week was an aberration. That's- <laughs> <laughs> Finally, get to come back. But before before I get to that, I thought I thought your comments about the offside thing were interesting because I know offside is just a perennially offside and handball have just been one of the most perennially divisive issues or rules, I guess, in football over the last I mean few years. It's just it, and rightly so. I mean, I think it's just it has really gotten under a lot of people's skin including mine and but the issue I think the problem with offside is I think there's more of an issue that's exacerbated by VAR uh, by the existence of VAR which uh, you know I, how much I love to rail against VAR but I think the issue with VAR is like you know you you review plays and then just by nature of using VAR you're going to look at the tiniest tiniest minutia rather than if it's if it happens live, you're going to say, if it's going to be like a 0.2 inch difference, you're not going to see that in real time, you know, and, but you're going to see that in, in, in a VAR replay and going to think, well, no, 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 that line there looked just a bit beyond like his toe just looked a little bit like you're just going to start looking for such issues just by reviewing it. It's, it's kind of like when you, you know, you take an exam and you know how people always tell you like, don't, you know, kind of go with your first instinct for answers. I've always had that with exa- exams. Like, you know, I write an answer, then I go back and I'm like, well, actually I change it. And then my first instinct was right. And then I you know, get it wrong. <laughs> so it kind, of, it, it kind of reminds me of that, like when people use VAR. But I think the problem with then doing a rule of, okay, the entire body has to be over the line. I don't think that really solves the issue because then, okay, what if you have like 99% of the guy's body that's over the line and then, well, or that's like offside. And then you see that little like heel that's actually, is that heel onside, offside? I don't know. Like, you know, I think you, just, you kind of shift the problem of looking for if a tiny bit of, his, of the person's body is offside towards, okay, is that part of his heel still onside or is that past the line like you know it's hard to describe i mean it's easier to describe visually but it's hard to describe over podcast format so like i think the underlying issue there with offside is just right now is it's just var rather than really the exact rule itself but you know i think that's a 
yeah, kind of another discussion for another day. But regarding the the game itself, I mean, I think we were thoroughly outclassed. I mean, yesterday, I mean, I, I think it was like Barcelona at the end, they had some chances that they were just messing about. They could have scored. They could have scored. I think uh, I saw an interview today with Capello. He said that, which was a little bit harsh, but they said, or he said that, Barcelona could have scored eight or something, which, okay, that was a little, little dramatic. But, I mean, I think they for sure could have, they could have scored more than two, I think. There were some, some counterattacks, but they were just messing about, I thought, you know. So, yeah, I mean, we are thoroughly outclassed. Not a single shot on target. First half, I, I mean, we had, like, what, two shots or something then? I mean, it was, you know, we, yeah, it was just not a good game. And, and like you said, Sam, I mean, I'm not even angry at Pirlo, per se. I mean, how, how could you be? Again, I mean, he's had no preseason, a year of COVID. And, and, you know, people have to realize, like, we're playing a Champions League game every week. That's, like, unprecedented. So, like, usually, because I remember in my head, I always, you know, I'd remember, like, okay, Champions League game is, like, you know, on, on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I would always know, like, okay, in two or three weeks, we'll have the next game. And then two or three, like, I remember there were always two or three week gaps between each one. Now there's one every week. <laughs> that's like that's really, really much. People just kind of have to put that into perspective and 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 realize just what an extraordinary season, yeah, year slash season this is. So you know that that's I, I give some sympathy on that. I mean, really, I think I'm at the point where I just say, you know what, Pirlo, take obviously given the entire season, but I would just say. You know, take the season to just create an identity for this team. Like, just, I want to come away at the end of the season saying, okay, now, regardless of what we win, I see an idea of what Juve is going to be over the next two, three, four seasons. I see kind of an identity. I see what we're trying to get at. To me, that would be a success, really, for this season. And mostly, I say that because... There's been such a huge turnover of players uh, over over the summer. I mean, you know, Matuidi gone, Iguain. Uh, I mean, Kadia is good as gone, uh, which is kind of a sad case, really. Um, Giolini has shown that. I mean, he has what maybe three months left of his career to, to go. I mean, he's a poor guy. I mean, you know, it, it's I'm I'm not really counting on him very much anymore. And yeah, I mean, we just had a huge turn, turnover of players, and of course, such a new coach, uh, and just such an extraordinary situation. That, yeah, I would just say, you know what, take the season to just create an identity. And especially because, I mean, frankly, you know, I think it's going to take a few months for Pirlo to even kind of figure out this whole coaching thing. Because, I mean, this is the first time he's doing it, you know, like, this is the first time he's a coach. So, yeah, I'm basically, like I said, just kind of my goals for the season, just figure, like, create some kind of identity and idea, some kind of template for this really young squad of players for the next, you know, few seasons. Yeah, I, I don't fully agree with, with Crusade Capello, I think, who, who thought that they could score eight or not. That's probably too much. But, I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to say that the score, the final scoreline doesn't really reflect how the game went. And I don't mean that Juventus should have won. I mean that it should have ended like a 5-3 or something. Like, it was, it was a bonkers game. Like, it, it's... I, I think at one point I tweeted that it was like it felt like we should be down by a bunch and it also felt at times we should be up. Like it was just a really weird game in which it seemingly every time a team won possession, they were like already like building an attack and, and 
whenever they lost it, they were like trying to defend the counter. It was it was just a, a game where there was no real a lot of build up. It was just like a breakneck speed for for most of the game, and and that obviously lends to much more, like a lot more you know scoring situations for both teams. Is uh, overall it was a weird weird game. I don't I think it it was a lot of the worst we've seen from a lot of guys. Like you know like for example uh, Federico Chiesa, who I think just had one of those games that like everyone who doesn't like him was like, yeah, that's why we don't like him. Like he was trying to do too much. He was pressing. He was trying to dribble through like four guys. And Kulusevski is another guy who kind of like showed his age for the, like the very first time that, that he's been at Juventus, like also was trying to force it. He was like misplacing pass passes all over the place. Uh, you could definitely tell this was a young team that hasn't really played together all that much with a young coach that hasn't really had a lot of time to implement his team. It was just, I think, you know, obviously I wanted them to win. I thought that they could win, especially because Barcelona has been less than impressive in the start of the year. But overall, I think this was a result that, you know, if you want to be positive about it, they're going to learn from, they're just going to, they're going to have to learn from it. That's a tough test have like the sixth game of the season be against the FC Barcelona. That's a tough test, no matter who you are and no matter what year it is. So, you know, overall, I, th- I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot to learn from, from Andrea Pirlo, from a manager's perspective. I think there's, there's a lot to learn for a lot of the young guys who really kind of got their very first taste of like big Champions League action. And I, I think there's there's a lot to learn for, for us as fans just to know that Alvaro Marta might never score a goal again. Like that's like it, it, it's it's crazy. Like it's it's already like really unlikely to get five goals disallowed by Bar in like any stretch in like overall, like in general. It is so incredibly rare to have those five goals be scored by the same guy in three games. Like, that's, like, it's honestly almost impressive. Like, I think what we just saw in this, like, streak, like, it's more impressive. Like, we will remember it more than just if Morata had scored five goals. Like, obviously, we would have liked it more, but it's so bizarre. I'm, I'm actually going, I'm, I'm spoiling a little bit the, the graph back for this week, but I did research, and last year, the, the unluckiest teams in the Premier League when it comes to, like, disallowed goals had five in the whole year. And they were the unluckiest teams <laughs> in a whole season in Premier League. And, mm-hmm. and we just had that in three games by the same dude. I mean, it's, it's in a week. ridiculous. In a week. Like, it's – and look, some of them, like, I think Chuck's already said everything there is to say about Barr. You know, some of them were, like, you know – the first one, it clearly hits his hand. Like, that's fine. Like, that's, you can disallow that. Like, you know, some of them are, like, clearer than others. But the fact that it's happening is it's ridiculous. By the last one, by the third one, the moment they showed the replay, I just started, like, laughing maniacally. It was like, they're going, like, that's offside. Like, they're going, like, you know they're going to call that offside. And they did immediately. Like, it's just, you know, if there is such a thing as, like, the, the football gods, you have to imagine, like, Morata is going to start scoring goals at some point. Huh? But, you know, between that, between the, the new coach, the new players, and also you don't have arguably two of your best three or four guys out there with Cristiano Ronaldo and Matai Salik. 
you have a you're out at like a rock solid like a starter in Alexandro who's just as reliable as reliable gets listen I'm not panicking yet would I have liked to see them play better yesterday sure would I have liked to see them win absolutely but I think it's 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 way too early to to be panicking and as someone in the comment section said I think we're all of like four points of the lead in Serie which is you know I mean it's it's far from from a catastrophe at this point disappointing maybe but not a catastrophe in the words of the coach himself calma calma <laughs> whenever someone says that now i think of allegri when he <laughs> when he went nuts against uh Garpi, was it uh, tore off his suit and stuff like <laughs> well he 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 doesn't with his with his accent being from where he is in italy he doesn't say calma it's more calma so <laughs> yeah. oh that's brilliant <laughs> i just i just love that the video from the the from when he, from when Pirlo scored in Turin, and like he's, you know, you know, he's going through his day, and everyone's like, you know, hurry, hurry, Andrea, calma, calma, and then he, you know, he walks up, he, he's here, he is on, on the field, he looks through the television to a couple of fans, is like, get that manca, quattro secondi, calma, calma, and then they show the highlight from scoring. God bless Italians, man. <laughs> and I, whoever was running those social media videos clearly isn't anymore because they're not—they're not as good as they were back then. <laughs> but actually, uh, before we move on, I, w- I would like to kind of add something to what Sergio said. By the way, I really applaud. I always love when people look, you know, or find the most obscure unexpected data points uh, like you did with the, the five disallowed goals uh, with the Premier League team. I, 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 I love that. I, you know, just trivia, fun trivia. I, uh, take so, a bow, Sergio. Take a yeah, bow. Man. Data. Data rules supreme. Um, Journalistic of... work. <laughs> Sign Don't encourage him. His ego is already <laughs> as big enough as it is. <laughs> oh, man. No, the one thing, the kind of the last thing um, I do want to add to just kind of the Barcelona stuff is that the comments from Pirlo after the game when he said uh, something along the lines of, like, you know, we're not quite at Barcelona's level yet. I think that's pretty concerning because, I mean, this is still pretty poor Barcelona. I mean, they're, they're, they're still kind of, you know, obviously in transition and, you know, still is Barcelona. But, I mean, this is a, it's a very vulnerable and, yeah, frankly, just not an extraordinary Barcelona right now. So, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's pretty concerning for me to, to hear that, to realize that. I mean, it speaks to the to the level of squad building that that the front office has put in the last few years in terms of you know just how dramatically we've had to turn over certain position groups in the last few years, the midfield especially, which really was the 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 worst part of the entire game because you know Rabio was was okay recovering balls, his passing was a little scattershot. Benson Core had one of his worst games in a in in a Juventus shirt, it was really, it, it was startling to see just how bad his passing was. But also just to, I mean, yes, there are a couple of injuries and, and COVID, but think, think for a second about the fact that the only two potential attacking changes on this bench were Aaron Ramsey, who... I mean, did he not start because he was, did he not play because he was hurt again or was Pirlo just trying to manage minutes or 
like I, I would have thought that he would have gone in far earlier. Yeah, I'm guessing um, it was preemptive. I mean, he's and, given how fragile he is. I'm guessing. Yeah, I and mean, th- other, this is this isn't a game to be managing minutes, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. and the other and the other, but the other margin, you know, nominally attacking option that we had on the bench was Federico Bernardeschi, and you know, my heart goes out to him, but my God, the way he played after he got put on. I mean, it didn't help him that Demerol got himself sent off right after he came on. Same thing. But like, and that's another thing that I was, you know, Pirlo, I, I think Pirlo was far too, you know, if we're going to actually talk about the legitimate criticisms of Pirlo, other than he sucks, he doesn't, you know, have, you know, he's not ready, this, that, and the other thing. He waited far too long to put on another midfielder. You know, Bentancor should have come off, you know, at the hour if not even sooner than that and give our in our tour given a chance to maybe see what he could do. And it's, it is really ironic that, you know, the way that Juve, the Juventus midfield played Miralem Pjanic was playing the way we had all hoped Miralem Pjanic would have played the two years prior to this. I was going to, I was going to say, guess who was the best midfielder on the field last <laughs> night? <laughs> Miralem Pjanic. How can Miralem Pjanic. Yeah. And it's, and you know, and this is, and this especially considering the fact that, that Barca was playing a midfielder in defense for the entirety of the second half. But, you know, the midfield never actually was able to develop a chance that could test him with the, with the possible exception of the third goal that Morata had knocked off. And, and when he put that ball in, you could tell it, you could tell that he saw, you could tell just by looking in his eyes that he knew that it was going to come off somehow. Like that, that made me so sad. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was low-key one of the best moments of the game. Like, he just, like, he refused to celebrate. He was like, this is not, like, and then I, I was kind of, like, the same. And then they put it in, like, the scoreboard, and I was like, okay, that's good. And then they immediately showed the replay, and you were like, okay, that's going to come off again. But, but you know, the, the thing, now that you mentioned, like, like about the, the performance that was disappointing about Rodrigo Ventancourt, I, I hate to say it, but I was actually the, the, the most, you know, disappointed by by Paulo Dybala, actually. And, and, you know, people who listen to the, this pod and who read the site know that, you know, I'm, I'm a full-on Paulo Dybala stand. But, you know, at, at some point, and, and the funny thing with him is that the same as with the entire team, really. You can, if you want to make excuses for him, it's really easy to do so. And there are a lot of reasons that you can point out and be like, well, he didn't play great because of, you know, this, this, and that, you know. But at the same time, it's like you are, you know, at this point, you're one of the longest tenured players on the team. You're the number 10. You are one of the vice captains. You are, you know, you're still young. He's 27, I think. But, you know, at this point, he should be in his peak. Like, he should be in his prime. He, you know, I understand that there's a lot of factors that, that may be factored in that he didn't have such a great game. But this is the type of games where, if you're going to be who we think you are and who we have seen him be at, at certain points in his career, and if he's going to be the guy that kind of takes that superstar mantle from Cristiano Ronaldo once he leaves the club and, and he becomes like the guy, you know, for Juventus, as he, had set, as he has said, he wants to be, and as I think we all want him to be, this is the type of game where you have to show me more than what he showed. And, and you know, he was... You know, he kept dropping back in the midfield to try to make something happen. And he was, you know, putting a lot of, like, mustard on a lot of passes. He was just disappointing overall. And, and, I, and you know, I, I, again, if you want to make excuses for him, you can. And there are plenty of them. But 
this is the type of game where I would like to see him actually, you know, show that he is the guy to kind of build around. And, you know, he, he just, he didn't show it. He didn't show it. He, he was a, a disappointing for me. I mean, a disappointing performance for me. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I think that I thought he was pressing. I thought he was trying to do a lot himself, mainly because he had to. The midfield wasn't giving him anything to to work with. They weren't putting him in any good positions. You know, I, I give him a little bit of a pass on that, considering the fact that that was the third time he's taken the field all year. Like you said, easy. There are certain. There are a lot of excuses to make, but, but yeah, I mean, this under under most circumstances, this is the type of game that you would want him to to really take by the by the collar. I I just hope that he can, you know, if he once he rounds back into form, he'll get a, gain a little more confidence and be able to do that on a more regular basis. Because this this is the year that we really need him to. Because you know, there's only a year and a half of Ronaldo left. You know, he is going to be. T- you know, provided he does finally sign that extension, he is going to he is going to be taking up that mantle of the guy very soon. You know, I I think that yesterday I am not a hundred percent upset over the game that he played because he is still getting back into full match fitness. He is getting his sharpness back after such a long layoff with that injury. And he was given nothing by his teammates. But as this season goes on and those excuses start to fade away, he is going to have to take that. And that's something that's going to have to be watched for this season very carefully. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we keep coming back to not only Divala, but actually it shocked me that I think Federico Chiesa's presentation like official presentation with the club is tomorrow and the dude's already played three games and already got like <laughs> sent off once and as i mean it, and and it's the presentation tomorrow so, so you know there, there's all in the time of covid it's crazy like i mean you can easily be like you know yeah it's bad but it's expected to be bad and and that's a reasonable take to have but like you said i think it's going to be one of those things that's like okay how long can we keep? Can we keep just thinking? All right, let's let's give them more time and more time and more time. You know, and if that keeps happening, obviously it's not the case right now. But at one point, is it like okay, maybe it just doesn't happen this season, or it happens too late, and maybe they fall off the the title race or whatever. Obviously, this is the the worst case scenario. This is the panic scenario, which, like I said, I don't think we're there yet. But it is going to be kind of like a running theme 
for this team for, for the foreseeable future, I think, at least for the next couple months at the very least. Yeah, I think what we saw last night, you know, we mentioned Dybala trying to do a little too much. We mentioned Chiesa trying to do a little too much. Kulusevsky trying to do a little too much. And I mean, you know, especially in Chiesa's case, it's noticeable because a lot of when he had the ball was a lot of the same kind of runs on the left wing. And, you know, it's him trying to put his head down or him trying to, you know, as we mentioned earlier, him trying to dribble through two, three or four guys. And that was one of the first things that really stuck out to me about how Barcelona approached this game was they really went in on Chiesa quick to try and force him to make that kind of decision. Dybala as well. Dybala was double and triple marked yeah, a lot yeah. when he had the ball. And, and who knows how much that played into him really trying to drop back deep early on. And, you know, as we, as we know, that was you, – you can tell he's trying to make something happen when he's dropping deeper and deeper and deeper. Because, you know, under Saudi, so much of his success was because he was closer to goal. Whereas, you know, in previous years when the goal tallies weren't as impressive as his, the beginning of his Juve career, it was, you know, a lot of him dropping deep to try and manufacture something himself, try and just get the team going. And, yeah, I mean, it was just a lot of guys trying to get something going themselves where that just ended in bad things for the team. And, you know, the overall product was what it was. I mean, we can steer the direction, the, the conversation in, in this place is that. Obviously, sorry, Danny, can I, sorry, I, I hate to interrupt, but um, how dare you? I think that's, <laughs> I think that exactly what you said, though, that is indicative of the fact that there's just not really an identity yet. There's just not yeah. really a established plan yet, which, I mean, again, you know, we've discussed kind of why that is lack of preseason new coach, but I think that exactly is indicative of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what I wanted, kind of where I wanted to go is that, you know, obviously this team is struggling for an identity. Pirlo has an idea of what he wants to do, but it's actually kind of going out and, and putting it into place, you know, not necessarily how long is Pirlo's leash. Cause I think we can all agree that we want to see Pirlo be given time, but just once this team gets full strength, if it ever does get full strength. And I think we can, we can expect to lick back within the next, few weeks if not after the international break you know Ronaldo's obviously TBD in terms of when he tests negative Chiellini is what he is but there are some players coming back soon so you know knowing that and knowing that there is at least getting closer to 100 percent you know how do you kind of think Pirlo should approach this knowing that this team really is struggling for an identity at this point, and obviously the the performances speak speak for themselves at this point. I'll take that first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think I think Pirlo just has to set a goal for himself, and I mean I think that's going to be determined by management as well. But frankly, I mean I don't know what 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 the expectation of him is for this season. Again, from management, you know, his expectation to win the Scudetto, is it to get Scudetto and uh, what's it called, the Coppa Italia? Is it to get, I mean, the treble? God, <laughs> to even think of that, that would be something. But, I mean, yeah, what is what is the expectation? You know, and once again, I think the most reasonable expectation is to just determine some kind of identity, determine some kind of idea of how we want to play. Because again, I mean, this is, you know, this is a yeah, young side with just some core players like Ben or um, uh, Chiesa, uh, Kulusevsky, 
Morata, depending on how long he stays. I mean, Morata's not that young. Ish. I think he's 27. But yeah, Morata, Kulusevsky, Chiesa, uh, Arthur, Bentancur. I mean, these are all just like, you know, a core of players that are in their 20s. And okay, you want to build around that. But then what is like the style of play that you want to use to build around these players? And I think, frankly, that that's my expectation of Pirlo, really, of just figuring that out. And, I mean, yeah, winning the Scudetto this year, I don't know, mate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just such a, it's such a strange year, just with not only the workload being placed on players, but then also the fact that, I mean, at any given point in time, we could just hear, oh, five players of AC Milan have COVID. Or, oh, six, like three or four. Like, it's just it, it, literally any second we could just hear a report that, uh, oh, Dybala has COVID, so he's out for, you know, this many weeks. So it's, it's, it's a season in which just the flip of the coin, you can have half your team gone or half the other team gone. So that just makes it so erratic. And it makes it, I mean, almost impossible for me to, A, set expectations, and B, yeah, just set any kinds of demands, really, from from just such an inexperienced coach as Pirlo is. But, of course, I want to win everything. I mean, of course. But, you know, what's realistic and what's pragmatic at this point? And I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard to say. Yeah, I think you hit it right in the head because, you know, just by for, – for, you know, just because we are Juventus and because of how much money this team has and the wages that we pay and the, the players that this team has, you know, obviously the expectation has to be at the very least, and I do, you know, quote unquote, at the very least has to be, you know, winning the league and being competitive and the domestic cup and making a run at the champions league. That has to be the expectation just because of who this team is. And because you don't get a Cristiano Ronaldo and you don't need, and you don't have a Paulo Dybala and Matthijs Delict and the freaking super team in name at times, it seems like in name only, but all the players that they have and you don't do that just to like let's have a good season and see what happens right so if you just base it up on, on that obviously the expectation has to be to win everything but with all the caveats that chucks mentioned i think no team can be really expected and i do mean no team like not even you know bayern which is like i think at the moment the best team in the world you know, because we don't know, like the, the same thing might happen to them. You know, what happens if half the team gets, gets COVID and then what happens? So it's just going to be a, a weird season when it comes to expectations. Obviously, as fans, we want them to win everything. But I think, I just hope that this streak doesn't end this year. It'd be, it'd be a bummer. But I think without trying to press the panic button or anything, I think it might be a, you know, it might be good to kind of like start thinking about a world in which Juventus doesn't win the league title every year and understand that that's not the end of the world as bad as that sounds, I would say. Yeah. I think that, I think that if we're, if there's going to be big things coming out of this season as it goes along, I, I do kind of think that, you know, there aren't a lot of them anymore, but Pirlo's going to have to kind of lean on the senatori of this team and really, you know, use that, use their experience to, to grind this out, lean on as much as, you know, 
as, as much as the locker room presence as the on-field presence of Chiellini, the, the locker room presence of Buffon. Sandro now is really one of those people. I, I keep thinking of the, the big comeback season in 15-16 when, you know, they were 12 points down. And, you know, the, they're, you know I've heard some people say that the, you know, the senatori of that team, you know, the, the Chiellini's, Barzali's, Buffon's, really kind of took over the locker room in that season and and really spurred that comeback you know until everybody gets settles themselves in the Kulusevskis and Chiesas and Arturs you know really settle themselves in he's gonna have to lean on those presences in the team in order to to get results and and cut through things yeah Hundred percent, and and I know we're moving on to Twitter questions, but before we do that, I I, I like to just see real quick, bit of topic, but just shout out Danilo, man, like that dude, like he's been like arguably the best player for Juventus against Barcelona. He led the team in tackles. He dispossessed Messi. Like I don't think there's much argument. Like (laughs) it's insanity that this dude that we all thought was like a a throw-in and the Joao Cancelo deal, and it's like okay, well whatever we can get from him is you know fine he's now like a legitimately really good player and I think the one dude who has to be like you know a starter like no doubt starter like it's it's crazy how this switch information and everything has just absolutely revitalized his career so far like just massive shout out to that dude like I was I'm thoroughly impressed with him like he's really he's been really really good this season so I just wanted to kind of like give him a quick shout out here for because it's it's been truly the biggest surprise this year for me first twitter question here from at dom longo 22 i only have one question fede bernardeski why because there was no one else <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean that that that's something that's something that i i kept coming back to yesterday after the game it's just like who knows with Ramsey, obviously his you, – you have to think his health played into it at least a little bit because he's one of the logical players to come on to try and change the game. But it's like who else is going to come on outside of Bernadeschi? And as we know, I mean, like, like I've said before, I love the guy, but his 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 confidence is just – I mean, it, it's got to be, you know, through the ground at this point with how low it is just because he's, he's not, the, not the player that Juventus – obviously thought they were going to get him, but even the player that we saw, what, a year and a half ago? Yeah, I think at this point he's not even average, which is sad because just just the fact that we're looking at him is like, just give me an average showing. Like, just be okay. And, like, he's not even doing that. Like, I mean, the fact that the PK was because he, he just straight up tripped and fell over on Sufati, I mean, that's just comically, that's just laughably bad at this point. There's not much more to, to say about the guy. I hope they loan him out or something. Maybe he can get some confidence out there in, in some other team where he gets more playing time. But, yeah, I think, it, I think it's, it's probably over for him as a user player. In fairness, I mean, if Danilo can resurrect his career, I mean, why not Berna? I mean, obviously I agree with you guys, but, I mean, indeed, maybe, who knows? Maybe a loan deal and then he'll come back and he'll pull a Danilo. I mean... Crazier things have happened. I think he's a bit of a Rugani case in that his development from the start kind of got really stunted. You know, my my rant about Rugani will always be that, you know, 
he played very well in the stead of an injured Chiellini for about six weeks at the end of that season and was rewarded by being bumped down the death chart by the human mental error that is Medi Benatia. And uh, I, oh, a similar... A, a similar, a, there was a similar problem with Bernadeschi in that, you know, Allegri didn't put him in the same position for a long time when he did start finally piling up some playing time and, and, and really sharpening into form that first year he was with the team, Tomas Roncon broke him. Um, and he's, he missed half the season and then from that point on, he's just never been able to play in the same position for more than a couple of months. And, you know, what young, what player his age would be able to survive that? I don't think anybody. From at Nino underscore Maniti4, how much of this do you think is due to a lack of time Pirlo has had to fully implement his ideas? I know we talked about it earlier, but it, it definitely is a big deal knowing just how truncated this offseason was. And Chuck's mentioned it with the Champions League schedule as well. You know, we're seeing half of the Champions League schedule play within two or three weeks where, you know, the first half of the Champions League group stage was played over, what, like a month and a half, I believe. So that alone says just how crazy this, you know, the, the virus has caused the schedule to, to be not only over the summer, but now as we, as we go on in time. Yeah, you can't see me right now, but I have my arms stretched out like as far as wide as they could possibly go this much. <laughs> this much. Like that that is the main reason. Yeah, that, that I was we trying are struggling to, the way we I was trying to do the mental math in my head. It's like, okay, we're like what, two months in the season and that might be like the second or third week. We might be like up against the first international break in a normal year right now. And that's kind of what, what I've been doing the last couple of weeks is trying to just align things as to where we might be in a normal year. So if you think about it, now we're almost halfway to the group stage of the Champions League where, I mean, hell, you know, <laughs> it, it might be only one or two games at, or one game at this point. So it's just, I mean, the, the virus. Two or three is, probably, I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd think at this point. I mean, the virus has just screwed up everything. And yeah, and that means a, a truncated schedule for a new manager who needed needed time just to get used to the squad he has. Yeah, and and a large player turnover as well. That that as well. Next question here from, and we'll we'll try and delve into the mind of of Pirlo right now from R. Rusitano. Why start Chiesa and Kulusevski on the wrong side? So basically, what I what I assume is why is Chiesa now playing on the left as compared to his natural right position, and and same with Kulusevski almost. Yeah, I, th- I think this is just one of those things where he's just throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick, right? I mean, th- at this point, they have so many dudes to fit in the lineup that, you know, if, if he finds out that Chiesa or Kulusevski can play on the left, that solves a lot of issues for him just lineup-wise. So that would be my, my guess that he's trying to make that happen. Again, I think like we've all said, you know, and is the main theme really so far of the season, we probably see this in a friendly or we probably see this in like one of those early season games against freaking, you know, whoever, like Spezia or something like that. Um, but at this point, I think it was just one of those things where like, I want to fit in all the guys I want to fit in and maybe this works. So 
uh, early returns have not been great. But um, if I were to make a bet, I think that's going to keep going. Like, I think the, the experimentation is going to keep going at least until, number one, he has a full squad. And number two, he, he like, real, like, he gets his final lineup that we just haven't seen so far. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that Juan Cuadrado is immovable right now. You know, he's playing pretty well on the, that right wing back spot. He seems to have an incredible chemistry with Morata, you know, putting balls into the box for him. I, I, I do think that it's going to be a, an interesting question as to whether Cuadrado keeps, keeps his form up, whether Cuadrado needs a break. I do, I do think Kulus, you know, Kulusevsky was definitely played more in the hole last week, or, or last night, rather, which is another question about Kulusevsky. Again, like, like Sergio said, we're still in the experimentation phase, even though we're playing highly competitive games because of the way this season has started out. This is strange, though, because going back to the question itself, it's, I was just reading uh, Pirlo's post-game comments, and he said uh, the plan had been to spread out the Barcelona defense a bit more but then we ended, we tended to be a bit too close together and playing all on the same lines. Well, if your plan was to spread the Barcelona defense, then why are you playing wingers on the wrong side? Because then they're, they, why are you playing inverted wingers? Because then their tendency is going to be to move on to their strong foot, right? So that is a little strange. I mean, that he said that. And then he says, uh, we had tried to keep Chiesa wide and then pushed Adrien Rabio into a more uh, advanced area with Juan Cuadrado pushing up in the second half. Uh, the idea had been to pull Sergio Roberto out of position as he struggles if he's out of position. Well, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we weren't able to do that. Yeah, and then he goes on and on. So it's just weird. It's, it's, his post-game comments seem to contradict his match tactics, which uh, I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. But yeah, he uh, got my head, head scratched. All right, final question from at Chris Adeji, and I hope I said that right. Where will our offensive creativity come from? We can't use our wings because our speed of play is too slow when switching points of attack. Arthur is more of a short passing conductor. Bentancourt and Rabio are not accurate with balls over the top. Yes, but Leonardo Bonucci is. <laughs> so that's good. Um, and I think that, you know, he was 10 of 13 on long balls last night, which was a nice little return to form in that particular sense because, you know, over the last two years, he hasn't been clicking in that as much as, uh, as you would hope. I think, I mean, last year that was by design because Saudi doesn't like long balls, but I, I think it'll come from a combination of Bonucci being that outlet from the back again. And I also think that we'll start seeing, I, I hope we'll start seeing it from Dybala once he starts getting back into a groove and and starts being able to to play a little bit better as that seconda punta maybe even backing him up into the Tricortista spot and seeing if that is is feasible behind Ronaldo and Morata and and using the the midfield to to supplement that We'll wrap things up on that note. I want to thank everybody for their Twitter questions. We had a lot of them come up in natural conversation. So if you thought that you had a good question, but didn't answer, there was a lot about Paulo Dybala, which obviously we talked a good, a good portion about today. So thank you again for your Twitter questions. As always, you can send them to at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook, search black and white and red all over. 
You can subscribe, like, rate, review on Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes. You can also listen to us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hopefully we have better things to talk about next week. We know we'll be talking Champions League again, Steve. Considering our next two opponents, good God, I hope so. (laughs) Yes. So brush up on your pronunciation of Hungarian champions, Farenc Varos. Chuck, was I good? Yeah, try again. Ah, I'll leave that up to you next week. (laughs) I will also practice. Yes. (laughs) So for Chucks, for Sam, and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.